Should the disciples of Jesus celebrate the holy days of the Bible? Or would that be a step backwards in how we express our faithfulness to Yeshua? Well, today, we'll be discussing the holy days of the Bible with First Fruits of Zion Director of Education, Daniel Lancaster. Messiah Podcast is brought to you by Messiah Magazine, a free publication available in print or online at messiahmagazine.org. Put your hand and mind together. We will walk in harmony. Let me introduce you to my teacher, the rabbi from the Galilee. Welcome to Messiah Podcast, where Jesus is Jewish and that changes everything. My name is Ryan. And my name is Damien. Hey, Damien, it's good to have you with us today, sitting in for Ruben, uh, who at the time of this recording uh, is still recovering from a bout with COVID. So, hey, man, we appreciate you joining us for this conversation about the Holy Days today. It is good to be here sitting in for Ruben, but at the same time, missing him. Uh, Very, very thankful to God for his recovery that is underway. Would ask all of our listeners to keep Ruben and his family uh, in prayer as as he's doing better, but still has a little ways to go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Everyone, yeah, please keep Ruben in your prayers, and uh, we look forward to having him back on the show soon. So, uh, hey, Damien, today's discussion uh, is going to center on the biblical holidays, and uh, you and I both grew up in Jewish homes, and the holidays, of course, were a really great part of our lives. Uh, as is the case for uh, for for most Jewish homes, mm-hmm. but for us, when we became followers of Yeshua, uh, I think we would both agree that the holidays really did take on an added added significance. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, I I'm sure Daniel in our conversation today is going to touch on this one, but I, I sort of frame that that added significance in terms of Colossians, which talks hmm. about. You know, a shadow of coming things and the body is Messiah and this really important text about the festivals. But growing up in a Jewish home, um, I was in the synagogue like you were probably for the holidays yep. and at the Seder table and very well acquainted with the calendar and what that meant and when. And they were they were a central component of our Jewish life. But but Colossians, I think, really does a good job of asking or answering the question you're asking about how these festivals became more significant. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, the importance as a Jewish man, yeah, but as a disciple of Yeshua. And so we see that connection between Yeshua's death, burial, resurrection, and the mm-hmm. spring peace, feasts, and then the future fulfillment of the story is in the fall feasts, and all these things we're going to talk about. But, but for me... As a, as a Messianic Jew that cast a whole new light on the beauty of what I had done my whole life in the synagogue. It was like Yeshua was the light behind those festivals. And that whole shadow metaphor made a whole lot of sense when I read it in, Col- in Colossians that Yeshua, he certainly had not canceled the festivals, he illuminated them. So it was right. just a whole new whole new level of engagement and meaning. Yeah, yeah, no, I love that uh, what you touched on there uh, about the the prof- really the prophetic significance of the holidays and the, the the spring holidays 
and the association with Yeshua's death and his resurrection, and of course, the giving of the Holy Spirit at Shavuot, mm-hmm. that's all happening in the spring. And then the fall holidays, which are coming up with Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, and the prophetic significance of those. We're going to talk about that and yeah. and, uh, and and also point our listeners to some additional resources, which will really help them to dig in deep to these, uh, these ideas. So, you know, Damien, for us as Messianic Jews, uh, as as we've already noted and you articulated, the holidays are, are definitely important. But a big thing that's happening in our time is that many non-Jews uh, are beginning to incorporate the biblical holy days into their lives as disciples of Yeshua. And this reality, it just seems like every year, um, maybe even every month, it's it's just picking up steam, and, and yeah, so there's a definitely. growing demand from Christians in churches to learn about the appointed times that God has established in the Bible, such as Passover and Feast of Tabernacles and yeah. Pentecost, Shavuot. So, so along this line of Christians celebrating the holidays, we're we're really excited. You and I are about our conversation today with our we are first fruit design, <laughs> yeah, our colleague Daniel. Uh, Daniel Lancaster, who's written extensively on the messianic meaning of the biblical holidays and what it can look like for Christians to celebrate them. And Daniel is going to be introducing uh, two new exciting resources. I know we've looked at those and and these are going to, these resources are really going to help Christians to understand and celebrate uh, the biblical holy day. So I'm looking forward to this. Me too. Can't wait. Yep. Daniel Daniel always has something good to say, oftentimes a lot of good things to say, so this is going to be a good one. <laughs> All right. Awesome. So stay tuned for our discussion on Messiah Podcast with First Fruit Design Director of Education, Daniel Lancaster, about the biblical holy days. want to know the Jewish Jesus, don't miss out on a free subscription to Messiah Magazine, where you'll discover his life and teaching, learn about the biblical festivals, and get connected with Israel. Subscribe for free at messiahmagazine.org. Messiah Magazine is a free, donation-supported quarterly publication of First Fruits of Zion. So today on Messiah Podcast, as I said, our guest is Daniel Lancaster, and Daniel is the Director of Education for First Fruits of Zion. He's also the author of all six volumes of Torah Club and many other books, and Daniel has a new book uh, that was just released that we're going to talk about today called The Holy Days. So hey, Daniel, welcome to Messiah Podcast. Hey, thanks. It's, uh, it's, It's great to be here. Ryan, I was I was thinking as uh, you're moving through the introduction there, I was just thinking about like uh, back when you pitched the idea of starting a podcast to Boaz and I, and uh, would you say that it, it met with a really enthusiastic reception from us that that we're like all about the idea? Well, <laughs> no. uh, now, yeah, okay, well. all right. So, well, congratulations, you got your podcast. Yeah, I got my and, podcast. Um, Thank and, you. And, and and two, you know, like like this is what two or three years later. Yeah, and yeah, you know, maybe three years later, and podcasts are hot. Right. I mean, like if they were hot when you were pitching it, now it's like. Holy cow! Why why didn't we get in this? In why didn't we get this going when Ryan was first talking about it three years ago? Yeah. Instead of like coming like late to the game like this. This is, this is why Ryan is the outreach coordinator. He he has these ideas. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, our apologies to you for for not uh, give, give, being more attentive to your uh, suggestion. Yeah, there. you guys so, liked um, the idea, but you felt like we needed to pump the brakes a little bit just because we had so many things going on. But here we are. The time is now, and and uh, I'm glad we're here. So let's do it. And the foot and and our foots on the gas with this podcast. We're moving forward. I, and it like we're moving forward in a lot of areas. But there's there's a curious question that I want to ask you, Daniel, and that is about sort of why did it take us this long to get here with producing not a podcast but resources on the festivals? This is a really big, big, big thing, the festivals of God. <laughs> and apart from articles and blogs and uh, obviously some coverage until now, we haven't really produced any true resources dedicated to the Jewish holiday. Seems like we would have done that before. Yeah. Okay. Wait. Now this is this is one of the uh, great ironies of working for First Fruits of Zion and and being the Messianic Jewish Resource Center that First Fruits of Zion is. You know, Messianic Jewish teaching for Christians and Jews, right? Right. But we don't have anything on the festivals. I mean, for like <laughs> I've been with the ministry for like twenty years, and people are like, you know, teach me about the festivals. Well, we have some information. We talk about the festivals in books like Restoration and Torah Club. Yeah. You know, you, it, but it's it's not in one place. It's all kind of scattered through the materials because. And let me tell you why. Because back when we started the ministry, when Boaz and Amber started the ministry, there were other people talking about the festivals, yeah. but they weren't going any further. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. so there was just like, there already were people talking about the festivals, sure. but there was so much more to talk about mm -hmm. in terms of uh, Messianic Jewish teaching. And so we just sort of took the festivals for granted. Mm -hmm. It was just kind of like, yeah, obviously, you know, the, yes, the holy right. days, but what about this? Have you looked at this? Have you, and so, I mean, time went on and, and yeah, it's kind of funny <laughs> that we never created a book on the festivals. We never did anything with the festivals, but it wasn't for, it wasn't because we were neglecting the festivals. Right. It's because we were, we were assuming that was like a common baseline. If you're doing Messianic Judaism, you already know about the biblical festivals. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, that that it is a bit comical. <laughs> You'd think that would have been the first resource we would have produced, but uh, but but because it's such an entry point for it people. is. I mean, how it many is. people are here because they attended a Passover yeah. seder, right? And they want to know. They want to know so much more. Anyway, yeah, no, I'm glad we're sure. I'm glad we're doing it now. Yeah, and I mean yeah. this this uh, you know the 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 momentum and the growth of this uh, idea of Christians incorporating the holy days. It's just as I said earlier. It's just it's a runaway freight train. I mean, it's just like, there's so much interest in it. So I'm glad that, uh, that, that we, that we have this, uh, these, these resources. So Daniel, we're going to discuss your, uh, I hope the freight train's not running too far away. I hope this book will keep the train. Yeah. We're going to, yeah, let's try to keep yeah, it on not the tracks. A runaway. Okay. That's a bad analogy. There. Thanks <laughs> for calling me out. My Georgia buddy there. Keep keeping me on the rails. No, it's, it's probably a correct analogy. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. maybe what we need to do is try to try, <laughs> try to keep that train on the let's tracks. Just, yeah. All right. There we go. I like that. We've sorted that out. All right. Okay. So Daniel, um, we're going to discuss your your new book, The Holy Days, in a bit, and we, we also want to ask you about the new Hyassode video course uh, that focuses on the holidays. But let's I want to start a little more broadly before we zero in on the on the specifics of the resources. Let's let's talk about why. What why do you think that there has been a surge in recent times regarding Christian interest in the Jewish holidays? Yeah. Okay. I mean. Well, first of all, I the surge 
in my opinion, the real big surge came back in the 90s. That was where it like just it was like a new idea. Like all mm -hmm. of a all of a sudden, you know, this this just seemed to drop out of nowhere that hey, have you considered the biblical festivals? You know, and but really that was just the inception. That that was the beginning of of what we are now seeing as as a major crest of the wave, right? Uh Back in, but back in the '90s, you know, there was Joseph Good with Hatikva Ministries, mm -hmm. and he was producing teachings on the festivals. He had a book called uh, Rosh Hashanah and the Messianic Kingdom to Come. He was producing these cassette tapes, uh, so you could get his cassette tape studies on the biblical calendar, on the spring feast, the fall feast, and he would he he would he would approach them as nobody had really done this before to approach yeah. them from within Jewish interpretation and Jewish perspective. And then, and then to say, and look how this uh, is all new Testament kind of eschatology and, and how this is all about Yeshua and, and Messiah. And, and, and this was just darn exciting to be, to mm -hmm. see that it was like the, your eyes are open. And, and so we would, we bought those cassette tapes. We'd pass those cassette tapes around. And that was really, that was, was a big deal. And Dwight Pryor is out there. He's teaching the mm -hmm. biblical festivals at the same time. And he's teaching about seeing, you know, the, the festival of Shavuot and the giving of the spirit and juxtaposing that with the giving of the Torah and, and so forth. So they were really, these are the guys who are planting the seed, you know, and, yeah. and what's happened is, you know, the crop has grown and it's, look, there's been a few, we've had, we've had a few blights, you know, to come along, uh, a few bad years and so forth. But uh, it's it's just it's been growing and growing and and kind of passing like the masters uh, makes the Yeshua makes the uh, uh, analogy of the woman who mixed in the leaven into the lump. She took a a little bit of leaven and put it in three pecks of of flour and it it spread through the whole lump. That's what's happening is this mm -hmm. is messianic Jewish teaching and it's spreading through the body of Messiah. So yeah. I think that's what's going on here. It's not. It's nothing that's just happened in recent times in that respect. It's This goes back, you know, 20, 30 years. Yeah, and I know, I mean, I we've all heard this and even experienced this in many ways that there have just been so many people that have been invited, especially at Passover. It yeah. seems to be the, the biggest gate yeah. that people have as far as experiencing. They get invited to a, a Passover Seder at someone's house or there's a Passover, a Passover demonstration at their oh, church. Yeah. And, I forgot and, about that. Yeah. You know, yeah. like Jews for Jesus was oh, going man. around in, in the, in That's the late seventies yeah. and the eighties. Mm -hmm. And they were doing these Passover Seder demonstrations at churches and, and saying, you know, look, this is the, this is the origin of, uh, of, of the Lord's supper and such. And that, I mean, that was a eureka moment yeah. for people. And, and they'd be like, Oh, wow. You know, this is, I've never heard this before, right. you yeah. know, and, and they hadn't, you know, which is well, just astonishing. But yeah, yeah. and I heard that, speaking of that, I heard when I was a brand new follower of Yeshua back in my early 20s, I heard David Brickner, who's the executive director of, of Jews for Jesus, give a Passover presentation at a large Baptist church here in Atlanta. And it, you know, it's kind of what Damien and I were talking about before. I had never really, I mean, I'd celebrated Passover my whole life every year at, you know, in my, at home, you know, in my, with my family, but seeing the messianic connections, I was just like, I was hooked. Yeah. I mean, it was like, there was no turning back, but that's, you know, again, my experience is not just unique to me as a Jewish person. There's a lot of Christians yeah. that have experienced those kinds of things and have been like, 
I want more of this. Oh, and, yeah. and this there's a richness, there's a depth, there's a practicality to it yeah. uh, that is enriching to one's walk with Yeshua. So, 100%. Uh, I'm 100% there with you. I'll tell you, my story is just really briefly, my brother, my brother Steve, a lot of people know Steve he, uh, yeah. from leading the Israel trips and does the biblical geography. But when he was a student at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, he was attending a Seventh-day Baptist uh, church. And uh he was he was of course a, a Semitic studies uh, PhD candidate and so he was interfacing with a lot of Jewish people and he learned to keep the Sabbath he learned the Friday night uh, you know, uh, Sabbath table uh, tradition and uh, and so one time when my parents and I were visiting him and I was you know maybe a 16 year old kid or something like this uh, he it was a Friday night and he and his wife did this Sabbath meal for us. And I was just astonished. You know, I grew up in a Christian home and and, and such, but it was like, for the first time, I felt like, whoa, Mm -hmm. this, this is for real. This is, you know, because we had never had anything like that. You know, we came from a a sort of a non-liturgical background and yeah, so that just, that lit me up. That was like the beginning for me. And, and in our circles, um, which are, ever expanding. I think we we hear that side of the story more often than than another one that I want to mention. What I mean is people are they encounter these things whether it is um, something as simple I remember Moisha Rosen's Christ in the Passover, that little yeah. that little book. Yeah. You know, they encounter and they yeah. see the beauty or they attend a, a, a a Shabbat dinner, a Friday night dinner at a Jewish home, and they're like, oh my goodness, where has this been? This is the most amazing thing. I want to know more. I want to know more. However, there are also some voices that suggest that these things, the holy days, the um, observance of these, quote, Jewish, and we'll talk about that later, Jewish festivals, um, are a step backwards for disciples of Jesus. That, That, you know, that, that we shouldn't be going backwards. We should only be looking forward. And clearly these things are Old Testament or something. There's a lot of different versions of that. But but tell me, talk to us about some of the those objections. How, how do you respond to the, the idea? All right. So that's a great point to bring up. Um, there are objections. The objections to whether you're Jewish or Gentile, you know, to, to keeping the biblical festivals come from a replacement theology perspective, of course. Mm-hmm. So yep. in replacement theology, uh, the, I, the assumption of replacement theology is that the New Testament replaces the Old Testament. And so the, the biblical festivals would belong to Old Testament law that was canceled by grace. Right. And so by observing these Old Testament rituals, it's going, it's sort of like going back under the yoke of the law or, or something like this, this kind of rhetoric, which is really a misunderstanding of, of Pauline uh, sentiments and in, in, in his epistles, which is a whole nother conversation. You're suggesting that Paul is sometimes misunderstood? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's actually in the Bible. A, yeah, is, I think okay. Sorry. Peter says that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So you mentioned in earlier you had mentioned that passage from Colossians just as an example of a, of Paul being misunderstood yeah. where he says in Colossians chapter 2:16 therefore let no one pass judgment on you in question of food and drink or with regard to a festival that would be a, a biblical festival 
or a new moon, that would that's the biblical calendar, or a Sabbath, and that's the, the weekly holiday, the weekly holy day of, of Shabbat. These are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Messiah. That's the English Standard Version. Yeah, English Standard Version, which is a, is a pretty solid translation of that passage. Other other versions are are a little not not as not as good on on the translation of the Greek. But I mean, if you were to read that from a replacement theology perspective, it looks like oh, okay. So what Paul is saying is that we shouldn't let Jews judge us that we aren't keeping the dietary laws, food and drink. We shouldn't let Jews judge us that we aren't keeping the festivals, the the holy days, right? The, the Jewish festivals. And we shouldn't let Jews judge us that we aren't observing their new moons or their Sabbath celebrations, because these were just a shadow of things to come. And yep. the things to come were Christianity, and now mm-hmm. we've arrived at Christianity, so we don't need to keep these, these old things. Uh, but that really doesn't make sense, because then he goes on to say, but the substance belongs to Messiah. But the substance belongs to Christ, or, or the Greek even more literally. But the the body of Christ, the body of Messiah, the it is the it's it's substantially Yeshua. It's sub- so mm-hmm. so. I mean, to come to that conclusion, you'd be looking at this passage and you'd be saying, so what Paul is telling me here is that I don't need to keep the festivals because they're just about Yeshua. They're they're mm-hmm. they're just about the Messiah, you know. So so that doesn't really have anything to do with me as a Christian. It's right. like what? <laughs> Wait a second here, that can't be right. So this is the sort of thing that in, is in the Holy Days book. We we address this in in the new book, uh, Holy Days. Uh, I think we, we take this passage apart and and point out that what Paul's really saying uh, it is uh, is is a response to. Gnostics and ascetics from his day who are coming along and criticizing believers, and in this case from Colossae, it's Gentile believers, who are observing matters of food and drink. And probably, you know, by food and drink, we're probably talking about food and drink on the holidays, celebrating Sabbath and, and the holidays with food and drinks. We're not we're not talking about dietary laws there. We're talking about enjoying God's holy days. So Mm -hmm. uh, questions of food and drink, you know, because the ascetics would say, oh, you should be fasting, right? Uh, And with regard to a festival, and they'd say, oh, you shouldn't be celebrating. Uh, And regard to a new moon or a Sabbath, these are a shadow of things to come. That is things that are still coming, future tense, not things Mm -hmm. that have come, but things that are coming in the future. And the substance belongs to Messiah. Mm -hmm. And the, the... so in other words, Paul is saying, this is how I read it. Paul is saying, don't let these ascetics who are all into fasting and having mystical visions and these Gnostics who think it's all in the, it's all in the spiritual realm and, and they're against physicality and corporeality, uh, don't, let them, don't let them judge you. Instead, this stuff, the festivals and, and, and so forth, this is all about Messiah, and it's it's a it shows us a, it teaches us about things that are yet to come. So don't let them judge you for keeping the holidays. That's my reading on Colossians. But that's I'm just giving you that as an example of yes, Paul is misunderstood right. because Paul. So is, Daniel, you're saying you're saying if we read that from a if we if we're not reading it from a replacement paradigm, 
we can read Colossians 2, 16 and 17 as an affirmation of celebrating the holidays. Yeah. That's what I hear you're, you're, you're saying. Oh, that. 100%. 100%. So Paul is affirming that these Gentile disciples of Yeshua in Colossae have a right to celebrate the festivals. Not saying it's a mandate for them to do so whatsoever. Sure. Uh, but what he's he knows that they are celebrating the festivals, that they are, because this is part of their new faith. They've left paganism and they've embraced the Jewish world and the Jewish God and the Jewish values and the Jewish religion. And so he knows that they're observing these things uh, because, I mean, he's a Jew, he's an observant Jew, he's observing these things. So he knows that they're getting heat from these ascetics and these Gnostics who want to completely unhitch uh, the religion from anything physical, anything corporeal, and they want to completely go into, they're like the new agers of, of that day, day and time. They're like the old age, new age. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's who he's, that's who he's addressing, uh, addressing old school, here. new agers. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So like right. basically don't let them steal this opportunity to engage even deeper with the Messiah. Yeah. That is what these things do. Yeah. Yep. That's a, a that's a that's a definitely a um, non-traditional way of reading Colossians yeah. too. From a lot of what I hear um, in traditional Protestant theology. Yeah, I know, but I mean, it's the way that makes sense. I mean, I agree. Unless unless you're it, once you get past yeah. replacement theology, it's like you get a whole new Bible in your hands. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Serious disciples want to get past shallow teaching understand their Bibles, and know Jesus better. Torah Club is a small group Bible study where disciples learn the Bible from a Jewish perspective through in-depth discussions and good fellowship. Start a club or join a club today at TorahClub.org. Torah Club is where disciples learn. Hey, Daniel, I want to raise, um, ask you to raise an objection and ask you to respond specifically to it. And this is coming from a little bit different angle. Um, in the Messianic Jewish movement in particular, uh, there are some prominent voices who would say, all right, yes, the biblical festivals are definitely appropriate for Jews because they're, you know, these festivals are part of the Torah and the Jewish heritage. But these prominent voices would say that celebrating the holy days are not for Gentile Christians. Um, if Gentile Christians, you know, that thinking along that line, that thinking goes like this. If look, if Gentile Christians are told to start keeping Jewish festivals, that's the same as the old one law message. And some have even called um, the, the, the encouraging uh, or affirmation of Gentile Christians celebrating the, the Jewish festival. Some have called this a soft one law message. Uh, how would you respond to that? Yeah, so it's similar to the idea that this is legalism going back under the law, which from Messianic Jewish perspective, of course, we don't have that perspective. Of, uh, but instead, there's like they're saying, okay, but Gentiles shouldn't be doing this. This is really Jewish festivals for Jewish people mm -hmm. makes sense for Jewish people to keep Jewish festivals, but it's inappropriate for non-Jews to be doing so, and because it blurs the line between. Uh, Jewish obligation to the covenant. And, okay. and so I understand the objection because, you know, I, early on when we were first learning about this, we didn't get the distinction. We didn't understand that distinction either. Uh, and so, so I do understand the criticism. It's a fair criticism in some sense. Uh, but 
what we teach at First Fruits Design, contrary to one-law theology or, or what you might even call a soft one-law message, is distinction theology. And just in a nutshell, distinction theology starts with the premise that there's two kinds of people in the world. <laughs> Have you ever heard someone say, there's two kinds of people in the world? You know, I would say, <laughs> yeah, sure. there's two kinds of people in the world. There's the kind of people who say there's two kinds of people in the world and the kind that don't, right? <laughs> That's a joke. Um, right. But okay, so there's two kinds of people in the world, according to distinction theology, and, and they are the Jewish people, that is Israel, the nation of Israel, and the nations, all right? And so there's these two kinds of people in the world, and it turns out that God does have a different uh, calling and different role and uh, a, a different uh, level of obligation uh, and uh, for, for Jewish people and, and Gentile disciples, even though we, we share the same God, we share the same scriptures, there's distinction within those scriptures. And not all of the laws in the Bible apply to everyone equally. So distinction theology points out that like, there are laws within the Torah, within the, the Bible, that apply only to priests or only to Levites. Or likewise, there's laws that apply only to Jews. And the calendar is... You know, the observance of the biblical calendar is not one of the laws that applies to Gentiles. It's the, the Jewish people are required, obligated by covenant relationship to observe these festivals. God doesn't say, if you want to have an, you know, he doesn't say you can if you want. It's like, no, this is, this is your obligation. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, a token, a sign, he says, of the covenant between God and Israel, these festivals. Yeah. But that's not to exclude the Gentile disciples from also celebrating along with the Jewish people. I mean, we are disciples of the Jewish guy. You know, we are disciples right. of Yeshua of Nazareth. We're, we're the ones from the nations who are taking hold of his tzitzit and saying, take us with you, for we have heard that God is with you. You know, so uh, there's our our point is that you know, contrary to this idea of one law or lack of distinction between the Jewish people, there really is a difference here. There really is a difference. There's, there's on the one hand, for the Jewish people, the Jewish disciples of Yeshua, there's real obligation to keep these festivals. For people like myself, there's an opportunity to connect with Israel and to connect with the Jewish people through the observance of these festivals these holy days, but it's not an obligation. It's not incumbent upon me. It's not a sin if if I don't. Do you understand uh, the distinction I'm making in, in distinction theology? Yeah, of course. Right. And it immediately comes to mind Ephesians 2 when we talk about these, these types of things, obligations or responsibilities versus opportunities. You know, Paul says mm -hmm. you, were, you were at that time separate from Messiah, excluded from the people of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise. So that, that implies that it doesn't imply, it says directly in Messiah, those who are far off have been brought near. So why wouldn't why wouldn't Gentiles be invited to the party to to you know to to participate? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and in the book I make the analogy of the temple that the the festivals are sort of like sanctuaries in time, right? They're like the yeah. holy days are, are like like they're analogous to the where just as the temple is a holy place, holy space, holy place. The festivals are like holy God's holy place in time. Yeah. And and 
just as Gentiles are supposed to worship God in his holy house in the Messianic era to come, as it says, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Likewise, uh, we're, we're going to be worshiping God in his holy time, his holy, mm. his holy uh, space in time, it, which, as it says, from new moon to new moon, from Sabbath to Sabbath, yeah. all flesh will uh, come and prostrate before me. The ones he designated, his, his, yeah. as it says in Leviticus 23, his appointed times. Right. And, you know, Damien talked about, you know, this this concept of being invited to the party uh, for these holidays. And and looks like, you know, we see in Zechariah 14, Zechariah is envisioning a day when the Gentiles, the nations of the world are being, are being invited to Jerusalem to celebrate the party of Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. So I think we see, you know, I, I, I like the way you... Uh, you spoke with, I think, really good precision there, that there is a covenant obligation for the Jewish people regarding these, the, the celebration and observance of the holy days. But there is this, this sense in which Damien quoted just an amazingly powerful text in Ephesians 2, in which because the Gentiles have been brought into this greater commonwealth, uh, these holidays, the, the prophets envisioning envision them uh, joining in yeah. in the celebration as well. Uh, and so I think that's that's, yeah, that's really uh, good good stuff. I'd say from a biblical perspective, you know, th- there's really no theological objection to Gentiles observing the festivals. I would say there's a theological objection to saying that you could make a theological objection to saying that Gentiles are required to keep the festivals, or it would right. it would be a sin for them not to keep the holy days. That that would be a problem. Paul would have a serious problem with that. From my reading of Paul, uh, that would really upset him. But I don't think, you know, it, from a straight reading of the prophets, I don't think you can form an objection to non-Jews participating in the festivals, celebrating the festivals along with the Jewish people. Uh, the objection comes more from a sociological perspective. And the sociological perspective is in our own day and age where uh, you have, you know, and this is true within Messianic Judaism as well, where you have Jewish uh, believers who are saying, well, this is what it means to be Jewish, is, is to, you know, to keep Passover and to keep Sukkot. And and so if, if we start letting Gentiles, you know, keep Passover and keep Sukkot, then it feels like they're Jewish too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but that's just, you know, that's a sociological problem, not a theological problem. Yeah, sure. Daniel, I want to just ask a very basic question. Um, you know, would would Jesus and his and the apostles have celebrated the holy days and and do we see evidence of that in the New Testament? Well, for sure. I mean, we have you know straight up clear evidence that Yeshua and the apostles who are all Jewish and all observant Jews are celebrating the festivals and the holy days. And that's, you know, and you would think that should go without saying, but it certainly doesn't go without saying, you know. Right, I mean, right. we got to state that. Yes. It, it, that's right there in the text in the New Testament in black and white. You know, it's it's right in front of us. They're going there. We have uh, incidents of of our master keeping several different Passovers in Jerusalem. We have uh, the story of him uh, going up for the festival of Sukkot. And uh, it, it, we see the believers gathering on the day of Shavuot, the day of Pentecost. Uh, we see Paul, you know, uh, 
heading across the Mediterranean to try to get back to Jerusalem on time for the festival of Shavuot, you know, so it's a big deal for them. Yes, obviously they're keeping the festivals. There's really no question. They're also keeping the Sabbath. There's, there's really no question. And the loud, the loudest argument for that is the argument from silence that if they were not, if there had been some change to the system, we would expect a lot of text about that. That would be controversial. There should be a lot of text supporting that, supporting why do these Jews think they don't need to keep the Jewish holy days? But there's nothing. There's not a not a breath of that, not a word of that. And so I realize that's an argument from silence, but it's a very loud argument from yeah. silence. Right. That, sure. That that uh our Jewish uh, apostles and our Jewish Messiah are keeping the Jewish holy days. It's Seems that seems pretty obvious to me. It's it's a bigger question. A better question is is what you asked about. Is there evidence in the New Testament of Gentiles observing the festivals? That's and my I would question. say yes, there yeah. is. Yeah. But uh, it's uh, it's not as it's not as weighty. The evidence is not as weighty, and there's a lot more ambiguity around it because it seems like it was a controversial question about just how Jewish do the Gentiles need to be. With some mm-hmm. of the apostles saying, "100 percent Jewish is how Jewish." In fact, we're going to circumcise them, and then Paul's <laughs> coming along and saying, "No, not so much. We need to we need to let the Gentiles be Gentiles. We we need to let the nations be nations. Otherwise, they're not nations anymore, right?" And so there's a little back and forth in this, but even like we saw there in Colossians, or you know what, Dr. David Rudolph has a, he had, we published in Messiah Journal some of his thoughts on this at one point, uh, where Paul is speaking in Corinthians, I think it's in 1 Corinthians, where he's he says, hey, you know what, Messiah, our Passover has been yeah. sacrificed, therefore let us keep the feast, not with the old leaven, but mm-hmm. with the new leaven. And, and so I speak about that in, in the book, but this is, he's speaking to the Corinthians, which is- yeah. is a, Non-Jews. Yeah, primarily right? yeah. a non-Jewish readership there in Corinth. And he's not saying, he's he's not speaking in metaphorical terms when he says, let us keep the festival. I right. mean, he's actually he's saying, yeah, it's it's pretty straightforward. That's and, and what Dr. David Rudolph points out is that if they weren't keeping the festival, if they weren't already familiar with this, this imagery and symbolism would be lost on them, right? Sure. So- I take this yeah, as- Yeah, Paul just assumes they know what he's talking yeah. about. He doesn't take time to explain it, right. so- well, and again, right. going back to Colossians, it's such a central part of this podcast, I realize, but it, it, it communicates so much. I mean, Paul is, Paul is encouraging that group to engage, to not be right. discouraged to engage. So it may not right. come out and say, in, uh, that's, that may not be the fifth ruling of the, of the Jerusalem council that you know, Gentiles should participate in the festivals, but it's in there. I mean, yeah, it's, it's in the, it's in the book. Yeah. And I would, another, another argument, and this is another argument from silence, but another argument I would make is that the apostles never offered the Gentiles any other alternatives. They didn't, they didn't say, well, mm-hmm. you know what, here, we'll make up some weird uh, Gentile uh, <laughs> holidays or festivals right. for you. Right. Like you should keep, maybe since you're all sons of Noah, you should keep uh, the uh, end of the flood day or something like that. You know, <laughs> right. Instead, uh, there, there's no other alternatives. And, and you have to remember in those days, there was two kinds of people in the world, right? There was, there was people who were, who were following the God of Israel, uh, which is the Jewish people. Uh, or there was the nations who were following the, the, the idols, the, right. who were into idolatry. And so 
all of these Gentiles that are coming into Yeshua faith through Paul's ministry, through the outreach of the apostles, they don't have any holy days of their own except for idolatrous festivals, mm -hmm. which they're being told mm -hmm. they can no longer celebrate. The apostles mm. are telling them, you can no longer celebrate your idolatrous festivals. And yeah. so if on the one hand, the apostles are saying, you can no longer do idolatry, you can no longer celebrate these idolatrous festivals. And on the other hand, the apostles are telling them, you cannot keep the Jewish festivals. Where does that leave those Gentile right. believers, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I realize that's an argument from silence again, but once again, I think it's a very loud argument from silence to say that the apostles are opening the door of Jewish uh, of the Jewish world to these nations and bringing them in and sitting them down at the table with them and having table fellowship with them, bringing them into Jewish space. That is yeah. that is the direction of of what's happening in the New Testament. Yeah. Yep. Right. No, that's uh, and I mean it's again it's consistent with prophetic expectation, you reference the Isaiah 66 passage from new moon to new moon and from Shabbat to Shabbat, you know, with reference to all humanity. We have Zechariah envisioning in the Messianic era, the nations going up to celebrate the Feast of Booths, aka Sukkot. So, uh, so what, what we, you know, it's, I think it's a nat, yeah, it's an argument from silence, but we do have some, uh, some things that point us in the direction we're talking about. Sign up to become an FFOZ friend today at ffoz.org slash friends and join First Fruits of Zion to restore the authentic faith and message of the Jewish Jesus. Centuries of misunderstanding about the Torah, the Jewish people, and the Jewishness of the New Testament obscured the real good news message of the kingdom. Today, a prophetic resurgence of faith is breaking out, and FFOZ friends are at the forefront of this restoration. Become a friend today at ffoz.org slash friends. So, hey, Daniel, I want to pivot here uh, and talk about some of these new resources that I think will be very, uh, very uh, important and interesting for our audience to hear. Let's talk first about your new book uh, called The Holy Days. Uh, why did you write this book and, and just, you know, how can it help Christians and Messianics regarding the Holy Days? Okay, so the new book, The Holy Days, um, is really the third in a series. The series started with restoration, uh, restoration, returning the Torah of Moses to the disciples of Jesus, which was, uh, you know, that that book has has been a cornerstone in First Fruits of Zion for fifteen years you know, since we we first released it, and then, I mean, it it really makes the argument. Uh, against replacement theology. And then there's a follow-up that I came out with a few years ago about the Sabbath, because, we, uh, you know, a lot of people are asking about Shabbat, the Sabbath, are we obligated to keep the Sabbath, you know, some, and so that second book was called From Sabbath to Sabbath, and uh, re returning uh, the, the biblical Sabbath to the disciples of Jesus, right? Uh, and so, what that book did not cover was the annual holy days. And so that was just sort of like an open question. And like we said at the beginning of the of the hour here, First Fruits Design has never done a concise book on on this. So so we wanted to take that wanted to take that topic on. But at the same time, I didn't really want to write about it because it's like, man, 
really? This is like going back 30 years to like, <laughs> you know, just get those old Joe Good tapes and just transcribe those or something, you know, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, so I had a lot of material on the Holy Days scattered through different volumes of Torah Club and in different resources. So I just kind of gathered that up and reorganized it. And, um, and pretty soon, uh, you know, uh, I had a book. And the reason that I wanted to do that and to get this done is because it coincides with the release of our third module of Hayasod, which is Hayasod, the festivals. So Hayasod, the foundation, uh, corresponding to that first book, Restoration, uh, makes the argument against replacement theology. Uh, and then the follow-up to that was the Hayasod on the Sabbath, Hayasod, the Sabbath, which uh, introduces the Sabbath. And then the third one that's going to be coming out later this fall uh, is Hyosod, the festivals. And so you can see that there's sort of a correlation between the three books and the three Hyosod discipleship courses. And I can also see that though it may have taken us 30 years to get here, we're really putting it out there now. Got the holy <laughs> days and Hyosod, the festivals, man, we're going to, we're going to have happy people here. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Hayasod has been a very, very important and integral part of many people's connection to First Roots of Zion, Messianic Jewish teaching and learning. But um, what is it? It's a Hebrew word, first of all. We maybe should start by even translating it. What is Hayasod, Daniel? Yeah, maybe we should start by mispronouncing it a few times. Uh, <laughs> that's what, Hayasod is the one I yeah, get I hear most. a lot of Hayasod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh so in Hebrew the yesod yesod is foundation, right? And so hayesod just means the foundation. And the so the idea of this Bible study, it is a Bible study by the way. It's a Bible study with a workbook and you know video component and so forth. It's it's a lot of fun. Uh yeah. it's an in-depth Bible study that presents foundational teaching about the land, the people and the scriptures of Israel in order to give uh students whether they're coming from a Christian background or a Jewish background, uh, a, a real strong foundation in the Jewish roots of the New Testament, of the Jewish roots of Yeshua faith. That's That was the idea of the original Bible study, Hayasod. And so there was 10 lessons with 10 workbook lessons that correspond to these 10 video lessons. And you, you just went through a tremendous amount of, of material, a, a real, like a uh, a year of Bible school crammed into, you know, 10 lessons. There's just a tremendous amount of material, maybe too much material. And, and so then we followed that up a couple of years ago with Hayasod, the Sabbath. And at the same time, I can't remember what year this was even. It seems like it was a long time ago now. Uh, at the same time, we shot uh, the film, the, the material for Hayasod, the festivals, but it's just taken us a long time to get around to actually completing Hayasod the festivals. So that's the story behind these three uh, discipleship courses, Bible study courses, we call them. And they're 10 lessons each. And mm -hmm. I, you know, it's, it's, it's an education. You get through, from one end to the other. That is a Bible education uh, in those total of 30 lessons. You're, and if you take that seriously, go through the workbooks and, and really follow those lectures, that is a serious straight on education. It is absolutely. Yeah. And we've had thousands of groups uh, in churches, messianic synagogues, uh, and beyond who have 
gone through Hyasode and um, just, you know, and some, some, we have people out there that have led five, 10, 15. I think Carolyn in, in Kansas City has led like 30 Hyasode groups or something like mm-hmm. that. So it's uh, proven to be very meaningful material. Yeah. And you can do yeah. it. You can do it with a group. You can, yeah. you can do it in your church. You can do it with a group. And it's a lot of fun because the videos take you on these little field trip excursions to yeah. different locations in Israel and such to illustrate this point or that point. And so you get to see some Israel scenery and learn a little bit about the land of Israel. Uh, and there's also, uh, you can do it uh, uh, individually yourself, like online now. Uh, you can get the workbook and you can watch the videos online uh, and just, you know, go through it at your own pace. So it's, I recommend it. If people haven't done that before, mm-hmm. I recommend checking it out at highso.org is probably the easiest way for yeah. you to get there. Or you can look at it at ffoz.com as well, but uh, either one of those. Hey, Daniel, I want to, want to take this in a, in a, also in a, a little pivot again, one more time here. I'm sure some of our listeners um, may be very interested in starting to celebrate the holiday, the, the holy days. Um, but it may seem overwhelming uh, to them. So what would you recommend as a first step for someone uh, who, who says, yeah, you know what, I, I buy into that. I, I think we need to give this a shot, but I just don't know where to start. What, what would you recommend? Look, I would recommend taking it really, really slow, not being, mm-hmm. not being in a big hurry. The first year that I, quote unquote, observed the festivals, <laughs> here's how I observed them. I got a Jewish calendar from First Fruits of Zion. Okay. And, and, and hung that on, on the wall and would just kind of like notice as the holy days went past, like, Hey, did you know today's look at that? Uh, Did you know today is Yom Kippur? (laughs) You know? And, and and, and so just actually just becoming aware of them was the first step to even be aware that they exist. That was the first step. And, Mm. and then, you know, get into some of these resources that we're creating for you. And, and start learning uh, a little bit, a little bit. Maybe you want to try one thing. Maybe you want to take one thing on. Uh, maybe you want to try doing a Friday night meal sometime uh, for Shabbat. Or maybe you want to do a Passover Seder sometime and say, hey, let's, let's, do a, let's get together as a family and, and celebrate a Passover Seder in, in memory of our master Yeshua and his sacrifice on our behalf. You know, something like that. Just little baby steps, baby steps. And, and not to feel like you need to do the whole thing or you're not doing it right or something like that. That's not how God works. That's not, you know, something is always better than nothing. And a step forward is always a step forward, right? So as far as the whole like, oh, I feel overwhelmed. It's just so much. Well, you know, you don't have to take on the whole world. You don't have to take everything all, all at once, right? Yeah, right, right. And we we've mentioned the, your book and the 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 new Hyasode module, but we also have a number of other resources at ffoz.com on our web store that can really help uh, Christians in in just beginning the process, the slow process of incorporating these uh, these holidays into their their expression. So that's a good place to look as well. I sometimes think of Micah six eight, which the context is a bit different, but the part where he says, "Walk humbly." I often tell people just, you know, just just walk softly forward in some of these new things that you're learning. 
don't feel so incredibly pressured to know everything and do everything and dot every I and cross every T as if you were raised in an Orthodox Jewish home or something like that. You right. know, as you said, right. get started and see what comes next because there's usually really, really good things coming next. And speaking of coming next, we're about to um, walk into the most significant time in God's calendar, Daniel. Before we wrap this up, tell our listeners a bit about the holidays, the fall festivals that are right around the corner. Yeah, we're just a few days off now from uh, the High high Holy Days, the High Holy Days of Rosh Hashanah. That is the Festival of Trumpets. And from Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, these are considered to be the the pinnacle of the festival season, of course, Mm -hmm. in that you know, this is the time when we're coming into a remembrance of God's judgment and and His atonement, the atonement that that's offered. Uh, and so, obviously, these are themes that are important to us as disciples of Yeshua. Uh, this is when we hear the shofar, the the ram's horn trumpet, and uh, and and we think we think of that f- future coming of Messiah. We're waiting to hear the shofar of Messiah every day, right? So here we actually get to hear it. So we know what we know what it'll sound like when 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 that shofar sounds. Right. I like to think of Rosh Hashanah as you know uh, the shofar of Messiah echoing through time. Uh, echoing, but it's echoing backward through time. So it's blown sometime in the future. And every year we hear its echo as it comes to us uh, from from the future. That's how oh, that's I really like to cool. think. I love that's that. how I think about it. Yeah. Uh, so and then that those two holidays are are followed by the big one, the festival of Sukkot, the Feast of Booths. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the 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 pinnacle, the 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 top of the top of the top of the festival year. When uh, we we have the the little booths, the holiday booths that people uh, take their meals in, and uh, as a remembrance of when God led the children of Israel out of Egypt and had them dwelling in booths, and it's just it is such a fantastic family time, such a such a great meaningful time for community and uh, a lot of fun. My kids always their favorite is always Sukkot. They're always saying, oh, I can't wait till Sukkot, you know, I'll see you at Sukkot. You know, and they're growing up now. You know, they're 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 growing up with kids of their own and they're still like talking about, oh, I can't wait till Sukkot. So it's a wonderful time. Yep. These are absolutely beautiful times. And Rosh Hashanah begins on September the evening of September sixth. So you can mark your calendars now. Yeah, it's so early. Gosh, and it's it's actually the same day. It begins the evening of Labor Day, right. so it's gonna lot lot happening. Yeah. Hey, Daniel, before we sign off, uh, tell our listeners how they can get a copy of your new book and uh, the Holy Days, as well as the new Hayasod, the festivals uh, resource. How can they find these? Okay, so the best way to get the best way to get the book is to go to our web store, which is. FFOZ, as in First Fruits of Zion, FFOZ.com. And there you'll be able to find the book and order the book. And that's that's going to work best for us. You can also pick it up off Amazon, I'm sure. Uh, but Amazon does take a taste, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. uh, I recommend going direct to our, our web store. Uh, and then likewise for Hyasode, you can you can access Hyasode stuff at the web store, or you can go to highsode.org 
and and check it out there. But the highest ode module of the festivals is not going to be actually officially released until later in October. Uh, so that that's just a few weeks away anyway. Got it. So, hey, Daniel, thanks for joining us today. And I hope your fall holidays are filled with lots of joy and meaning. And for our listeners who will be celebrating the holidays uh, in, to whatever degree, I hope that uh, it's it's filled with a, a lot of light and life and uh, the presence of Hashem, our, our God. All right. Lashana Tova, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Daniel. Yep. Good to be with you all today. Thank you. Hey, Damien, I'm excited about these uh, new resources Daniel discussed with us today on, on Messiah Podcast. And I'm, uh, of course, always excited about uh, the fall holidays themselves, which, as we've said and emphasized, are right around the corner. So I just want to ask you a question. For you personally, what what are you looking forward to with the fall holidays? Oh, man, I just I, I love the idea of restoration, about being refreshed and renewed and you know, a lot of people don't understand how, how you can get that out of something called, uh, you know, the Day of Atonement. Rosh Hashanah is also called Yom Hadin, the Day of Judgment. People are confused. How can that be refreshing? But it's about repentance. It's about laying it all out there before God like we do during those holidays. And I know we, we're supposed to repent every day, right? It's a good thing. But the holidays, like Daniel was talking about, they're, they're, they're a special moment in time, a mark on God's calendar that's set aside for us. And there's nothing like that repentance and coming back to God. There's, it, it is a, not to, not to use an overused word lightly, it is a supernatural experience for those who are willing to engage. And, you know, and of course there's Sukkot. Sukkot, my yeah. favorite, everybody's favorite. There's no holiday in the universe like Sukkot under the stars and welcoming guests to the sukkah the smell of just this the the etrog the food the music the presence of god i'm ready for that now and if those things are not familiar to our listeners i recommend a new book it's by this guy i really like goes by the name of daniel lancaster it's called (laughs) the holidays so uh anyway i'm i'm excited i'm sure you are yeah, no, I am as well. I I, I agree. It's it's uh, it's a very spiritually intense time, uh, even even during the month of Elul, leading up to the the ten days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. We have this saying: uh, we say the king is in the field, mm-hmm. uh, as it's a special time to draw near to God uh, in preparation for you know for for these these days of awe that we say that we refer to between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Yep. But then, yeah, the the time during Sukkot, just to sit under the Sukkah, to visit with family and friends, to be refreshed, uh, is just a, a wonderful, wonderful time that um, just uh, just makes life sweeter uh, in in so many ways. So I'm looking forward to that. Damien, just want to ask another question as we're kind of debriefing this conversation. How do you think the idea of Christians celebrating the Holy Days fits in with what God is doing? Uh, in restoring the foundations of the faith in preparation for the kingdom to come. Mm, gosh, that's a that that could be a podcast. It's pretty heavy duty in question and of here itself, at the end of the day, but, right? You know, every <laughs> I often hear people refer to themselves as new covenant believers, which is an interesting description. But um, 
there's a somewhat overlooked component of the of the fulfillment of the new covenant that's coming and living under it and it is it is the torah the torah and the new covenant are connected so uh inseparably god's instruction for his people that will be written on our hearts you know and that and that becomes part of our internal thought process without even thinking about it it's it's the kingdom constitution and the holidays are a part of that they are god's mm -hmm festivals for his people and they are something that we can enjoy together we'll enjoy some of them in the kingdom the desire for the nations to participate now to me is a beautiful picture of that kingdom reality and we mentioned somewhere in the podcast zechariah that it will come about that any who are left and it's talking about the nations that they'll go up from year to year to worship the king the lord of hosts and celebrate the feast of booths or the feast of sukkot so there's just there's such a beautiful um sneak peek in the holidays yeah. and seeing the nations wanting to be a part of these things and really enjoying them so so that's, yeah, that's the even, short answer. It reminds No, I hear you. And that reminds me of what why we you know have the name of our organization as it is, First Fruits of Zion. It's yeah. a first fruits uh, you know, taste of the kingdom to come. And and the holidays are a part of that. It's it's getting a taste now of the future kingdom reality. And so as we celebrate these days, it's uh, it's I like how you said it's like a sneak peek into the kingdom uh, when Yeshua returns. And and uh, so that's that's, I think, really important uh, to keep in mind. Well, hey, Damien, this has been a great discussion uh, with you and with Daniel about the holidays. And I hope that everyone who's listening will continue to learn and grow um, when it comes to the holidays of the Bible. And if celebrating the Jewish holidays is part of your practice, I hope that you're Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot will be filled with lots of shalom this fall. Amen. May we may we all be inscribed for a good and sweet upcoming year. Everyone enjoy the holidays. It's been great to spend time with you. Amen. Shalom. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Messiah Podcast, where Jesus is Jewish and that changes everything. This podcast is an extension of Messiah Magazine available at messiahmagazine.org. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review along with a five-star rating wherever you're listening now. Today's podcast was hosted by myself, Ryan Lambert, along with Ruben Ramos. Our executive producer is Boaz Michael and the editor-in-chief is Daniel Lancaster. This episode was directed and edited by Jeremy Schoenwald. Original music was written and performed by Joshua Aaron. And the show notes for Messiah Podcast were edited by Candy Bishop and are available at messiahpodcast.org. If you're interested in learning more about the Bible from a Messianic Jewish perspective, check out Torah Club which is an international network of small study groups who meet weekly to study the Bible together from a Messianic Jewish perspective. To start a club or join a club, go to torahclub.org. Until next time, shalom. Like the waters cover the sea